You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Now the guy that's been set free comes in, let me go with you. Come on, let me go with you. Nah, no, you stay back. They asked me to leave, but you grew up here. This is your home. And now you go and you tell your family what great things God has done for you. The guy goes home and he doesn't stop just with his family and just with where he lives. He begins to go from town to town to town and everybody knew about this guy. And now they're just like amazed. And he begins to be an evangelist for Jesus Christ. There's no denying that Satan has great influence over several individuals in the Bible. Jesus cast out many demons. Yet one thing is clear. There's a great power in Jesus that Satan can't even come close to, and he gives that power to those who believe in him. Today, Pastor Danny explains that the influence of even just one who's been radically freed from the bondage by the power of Jesus is enormous. There's great power in speaking of what Jesus has done for you. Allow your story of freedom to change others. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 5, as he continues his message, The Case of the Deviled Ham. What did he do to allow so many demons to possess his body and possess his life? What did he do? And I began to think, and there had all kinds of possibilities, but God didn't tell us. And when I came to and I put in my notes, and the bottom line is it doesn't matter what he did. It just matters that he met Jesus. And this story tells us that nobody is without hope. The person everybody else has given up on and all the things in the world and in the church, and nobody's able to help them listen. For the church that has the Spirit of God and Jesus at the center, we got the answer. We got the answer. Nobody's without hope. This is the extreme example, but, oh, there are things. There are things that we allow Satan influence in our lives. Be careful. Now, some of the obvious ones are, you know, the occult. And that involves lots of things. Ouija boards, stay away from them. Your kids are living in your house and you got control. When they get on their own, they got to make their own choices. But you don't let a Ouija board in your house. Tarot cards, no way. There's a new thing now, spiritualism. And some of the spiritualism has these nice outward tones to it. It's of the devil. Spiritualism. There's a lot of things you can open yourself up to the enemy. Some of the obvious are things like that. Uh, the word pharmakia in Revelation where it describes those who are not part of the kingdom who are cast into outer darkness and not going to go into eternity with Christ. And one of the words describing a type of person that's not going to go into the kingdom is pharmakia. Pharmakia, those who use drugs. 
And sometimes they use it in occultic practices. But let me tell you, just drug use. Drug use can open the door. Well, what do you think Satan wants? He wants to enslave somebody those drugs. Enslave them. That's what he's come to do. Rob them of freedom. Rob them of real life. And the deeper they go in that addiction, the more life they lose. That's what Satan wants. So drug use can open the door for the, the enemy's influence in one's life. The occult can open the door. But sometimes it can be passed on. It's called generational curses. We, don't even, I, we shouldn't even mention that one. But look, you break a generational curse by faith in Jesus Christ. You don't, anybody says you've got to do all this stuff, you just faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. You've just broken it. You come to know Jesus, you stop Satan's influence and the generational transition into your family. You stopped it by faith in Christ. But let me give you some things that might surprise you. Might surprise you. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. I'm going to read it for us. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds. Strongholds aren't, don't start out as strongholds. They start out as footholds. Over time, they become strongholds. We listen to the rest of the verse. We demolish arguments. Wow. One person says this, one person says this, and they're arguing which way is right. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. Here it is. Every thought, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Listen, listen, think about this deeply. Think about it. Get behind me, Satan. Was Peter demon-possessed? Absolutely not. But he was certainly influenced in his thinking. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Listen, wrong thinking. You can open yourself up to the influence of the enemy. That's why we have the word of God. There's a way that seems right into a man. The end thereof are the ways of death. Wrong thinking. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. That in the last days, and we are living in them, some will believe doctrines. He's talking about religious teachings taught by demons. The Jehovah's Witnesses that repeatedly have come to my door over the years. I love them. They're moral people. They're nice people. They're dedicated people. They serve a different Jesus. The Jesus they serve is God with a little G. He had a beginning. Elohim created him. My Jesus had a beginning as a man, but no beginning as God. He is God, very God, with a capital of G, without beginning of days or end of life. The both can't be right. And their doctrine, where do you think it came from? Very believable. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Joseph Smith, when he went out and met the angel and the angel appeared to him, I have no doubt he, he appeared, an angel appeared to him, an angel that looked good and sounded good, but gave him a false doctrine. Now we call it Mormonism. L. Ron Hubbard, the Mecca, right here in Clearwater, right up the road, that way, some way. The wrong way. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a doctrine taught by demons. And look at the people that buy into it and influence others. Tom Cruise, 
Lisa Marie Presley and all these influential people. John Travolta. The doctrine is taught by demons. Wrong thinking. Let me give you another one that might surprise you. Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. Let me read that one. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. That means if you don't deal with your anger the way God tells us to, that anger that continues, you can open up the door for the enemy's influence in your life. Let me show you how it happened. 1 Samuel chapter 18, first king of Israel, King Saul. He's a head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He's a GQ looking guy. Everybody loves him, but he has a problem. He starts off good with God, but he doesn't continue that way. God tells him to do things. He doesn't do it the way God said it. He comes back and confesses and makes excuses why he didn't do it that way. He never really repents. He begins this pattern of willful disobedience to the Lord. His heart is not right basically before God. And then, then David, this young David shows up on the battlefield. Nobody's fighting the Philistines. David goes out, defeats Goliath, becomes a national hero overnight. They go back into town. The ladies are singing a song that everybody would have known, but they added a refrain. And in 1 Samuel chapter 18, the end of verse 7 says, Saul has slain his thousands. This is the song. And they added something to it. And David, his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry. And this refrain galled him. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But we with only thousands, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. So you put it all together. He's making excuses about his sin. He's not repenting. Now he's got an anger issue, jealousy issue. It would be festered and turned to bitterness and hatred and be lived out in rage trying to kill David. Notice what it says in the next verse. The next day, an evil spirit came forcibly upon him because he opened himself up to it. He opened himself up by his willful disobedience his confession without repentance, and now the anger issue that turns to bitterness toward David, and all of a sudden now, evil spirit influencing his life. By the way, that's where fits of rage come from. Fits of rage is somebody that's now out of control, and you've lost your temper. I think it's so ironic that when Jesus sets this guy free, people come and plead with Jesus to leave. When Jesus really begins to have an impact, sometimes the cost is too great for people, and that's another whole message in itself. But we need to at least note that these people begged Jesus to leave, and one gospel writer says they were filled with fear, they were overcome with fear, but it also tells us they lost a lot economically. 2,000 pigs is a lot of bacon. In Acts 19, the Apostle Paul, when he goes into Ephesus and people become Christians, well, the number one deity they worshiped was Artemis. There was a whole union, a trade union, and they made these idols to Artemis. And everybody pretty much had one. People would come from other places and buy these. And in their 
It says that as the ministry of the apostle Paul and his team begins to grow and Jesus begins to have an impact in Ephesus, people aren't buying the idols like they were. They call a meeting of the trade union. And in verse 25 of Acts 19, one of their leaders gets up and says, you know, guys, we make a good income from this business. And now this guy, Paul, (laughs) he's causing our wallets to get thin. And they caused a riot in the city to kick Paul and his team out of the city because the economic loss was more important to them than the freedom that people were finding through faith in Jesus Christ. But you can't outsmart Jesus. <laughs> he agrees when they beg him to leave. Okay, guys, let's go. Get in the boat. And now the guy that's been set free comes and says, let me go with you. Come on, let me go with you. No, nah, no, you stay back. They asked me to leave, but you grew up here. This is your home. And now you go and you tell your family what great things God has done for you. And the guy goes home, and he doesn't stop just with his family and just with where he lives. He begins to go from town to town to town, and everybody knew about this guy. And now they're just like amazed, and he begins to be an evangelist for Jesus Christ. Well, here's how I close. Here's what I put at the end of my notes, the challenge for the church. I'm not saying we take just anybody in the church and go on Satan's turf and begin casting out demons, etc. I'm not saying that. I realize there's some wisdom in who goes on Satan's turf. I realize that. In terms of places where people have legion. Nevertheless, I put in my notes, we need to charge the gates of hell. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I say unto you, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are not to be on the defensive, we are to be on the offensive. That's what I want to do. That's what I want our leadership to do. That's what I want mature saints in the church to do. Because there are people all around us that are given to the enemy. They are in bondage in so many ways to whatever degree. They are in bondage to the enemy. William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, said, Some want to live within the sound of church and chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I love that. Because, you know, I'm just like everybody else. Especially when my kids are small, I want them to come to church, have a nice time. You know, we sit from coffee, say, what a great service, and go home. But look, look, if we're going to really be charging the gates of hell, we're going to be going places and reaching people that Satan has in his grasp. Listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. If we're going to have a youth group that's going to make an impact, in the world. It's not going to be your comfortable youth group where everybody's sitting around and having niceties every week, you know. If we're really snatching from the fires of hell people and students, middle schoolers and high schoolers, out of the, out of the jaws of hell, then you're going to be dealing with some situations that are not just nice, cozy church stuff. We need to be wise in how we approach that. We need to be wise in who we're sending and and ministering in those situations. Nevertheless, that's what we need to do. 
because that's where people are hurting. Lives are being torn apart. Children, middle schoolers, high schoolers are being enslaved by the enemy. Suicide rate is off the chart for young people. We have the answer. We have the answer. We need to be charging the gates of hell. And when we do, do not expect a warm welcome when people begin to get set free. And we may have situations where people go, that's not for me. <laughs> Why don't you just leave? Or never, never, I'll leave. <laughs> you know, and that's what they said. We don't want you here, Jesus. And they cared more about this, the standard of their lives and what it was then, you know, and they did, and they weren't ready for all that. They didn't want all that. They didn't want all that kind of shakeup. And they asked him to leave. And, you know, we may go in some places and when we really preach Jesus and, and I love the whosoever's because they won't, you know, they told us, the, the government told them after they booked these schools, they said, by the way, you can't mention Jesus when you go into the schools. Ryan Reese said, we're not going then. And you don't know the story, but I'm telling you, the last minute, all of a sudden, the doors opened and the principals, the principals went beyond the government's head and said, we're just going to let you come anyway. And they're going in preaching Jesus. But listen, we may go in some places, God may open the doors for us in ministry, and we may just get in there and then because we're preaching Jesus and because of the things that are happening, they may go, ah, we changed their mind. You need to leave. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. You may just reach one. If you just reach one, <laughs> what an impact does one person can have that's radically freed from Satan's bondage, radically freed. Now, let me throw you something that I think you might not have known is coming. We have before us the extreme case, and I believe it's because God wants us to know that even in the most extreme circumstances, nobody is without hope. Look at the scripture. Say it with me. Ready? Here we go. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. What he's talking about is those who have never repented and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And those who have never repented and received Christ as Lord and Savior are, whether they realize it or not, they are part of a different kingdom the kingdom of darkness, and you're headed, you're headed for a really bad place, a place created for the devil and his angels, a place called hell. But you don't have to go. You can escape. You can be set free. That they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who's taken them captive to do their will. Again, it's talking about those who have never repented and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You're entrapped. He has you. He's taking you with him. Don't go. You don't have to go. Now, take it a step further. Someone who's a Christian. Look at the next verse. Interesting. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. I used to love to drink alcohol. But when you first start drinking alcohol, now, I didn't like alcohol when I first started drinking it. When I was a middle schooler, even a little before middle school, started drinking beer, Vodka, that kind of stuff. Always got to have a good chaser for the vodka and the beer. I just didn't like it at first. You develop, for me, I developed a liking for beer over a period of time. And then I had a love affair with beer. <laughs> and when I was doing that, then it moved into smoking pot. And you know what I would say when I started smoking pot? I can quit smoking pot anytime I want. 
I realized looking back now, every time I said that, I was usually rolling a joint. I was enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. I was filled with lust. All I want to do is satisfy my lustful passion. And you want to go out and rock and roll and party and get a girl. Phil, enslaved. And I thought I was free. No, I wasn't free. I was enslaved. A man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. That's why the pornography is grabbing hold of guys. And it's, it's got you. It's got you. It's a grip. Lust. You might even be married. You might love your spouse. And yet you're thinking about all kinds of other people. You're going on the internet. You're going on Facebook. You're looking at those pictures that that person in high school that you wanted to be with. And that, that picture's 20 years old. You understand that? <laughs> but you're dreaming. You're having fantasies. First of all, they're ugly now. Just forget it. They, 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 they don't look like that anymore. They're putting that on there because they're hurting, man. They're reaching out. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I don't believe a Christian can be demon-possessed, but I've had situations that messes with that theology. Nevertheless, I still believe that. I don't believe the Holy Spirit will share a house with a demon. There's power in the name of Jesus. And once we repent and receive Christ, then he comes to dwell within but with that said, with that said, I don't believe a Christian can be demon-possessed, but we can give ourselves over. That's why Ephesians is writing to Christians and says, look, in your anger, don't sin, and don't give the devil a foothold. So there's some Christians maybe here this morning, and, and you're enslaved by something. You're enslaved by lust. You're enslaved by pornography. You're enslaved by greed. Jesus said about the Pharisees, you're full of greed, self-indulgence. You know, you're not really submitted to the Lord. Listen, you want to live in freedom. Jesus wants to set you free in a fresh way. If you're willing, if you're willing, if you're willing to come to him and submit your life to him. I believe the man ran to Jesus. The demons would never run to Jesus. The demons would run away from Jesus because they don't want to go to demon prison. The man ran to Jesus. No matter how far gone you are, you have a free will, free will, free will. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know of somebody in your life, and to whatever degree, to whatever degree, the enemy's got them. You got a son, you got a daughter, you got a mom, a dad, you got a wife or a husband, you got a, a friend or, or somebody, and, and they need to be set free from the enemy to whatever degree. Maybe they got, maybe they got a drug addiction, maybe they've never given their lives to Christ. Whatever it is, to whatever degree, prayer makes a difference. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. That means to separate you from the true chaff, to get you out on your own, to get you alone, to get you away from church fellowship. And when he's got you there, he's got you. But I've prayed for you, Peter. I've prayed for you. Prayer makes a difference. If Jesus had not prayed for Peter, something would not have been the same. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Some that will come and, and say, I just want to pray, and we want to pray together. And there's something about pr- power in numbers and us praying together. And we're praying for different people, but we're praying together. You've got somebody in your life you want to pray for, and we'll pray together. Pray together so that the Holy Spirit might go in a fresh way and do ministry in their lives, so that God might send a witness, etc., etc., etc. I got a problem with alcohol. I got a problem with drugs. I got a problem with lust. I got a problem with pornography. I got a problem with overeating. I got a problem with suicidal thoughts. I got a problem with depression. I got a problem, whatever it is, whatever it is. Look, none of that stuff is of the Lord. 
you can be set free. Then you've got to learn to walk in freedom, but you can be set free right now, right here, right today, right now. Holy Spirit, come down upon you. Minister to you right now. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today to study the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. These books are the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. He came to save each person from sin. He offered Himself as a sacrifice, taking the punishment your sins deserve. Today, you can have a new life because of Jesus. Are you ready to make that decision and give Him your sins and accept His grace? If so, we're so happy for you, and we'd love to talk to you more about it please let us know by emailing us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. We also want to encourage you to find a church home. Right now, we know that that's difficult, but we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship for our online services. At ccfstpete.church, we live stream every Saturday at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 9 and 11, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Join Pastor Danny to learn more from the Bible and to spend time with us worshiping our Savior. You can also explore more teachings from this series and others at our website. One more time, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Know that we're praying for you. And we hope you'll join us again next time to continue studying the Gospels right here on The Living Word.